All right. Hey, guys. How's everyone? Awesome. Hey, um, that looks good. Let's give it up for Bryson, our handyman. All right. He sings. He moves furniture. He teaches. What can't he do? Apparently, he can't beat the girls at trash ball from what I heard. I don't know. But uh, he, he wasn't even playing. He wasn't even playing. Hey, I want to share something really cool with you guys before um, I bring out our guest for the night. I have an app uh, each week. It's part of my job. I have to count how many people are here, and uh, it's called Headcount. We have only 62 people here tonight, and I was thinking about that, and at first I was a little bummed. My God, we're missing some people. But what's cool about that is last week we had 82 people here. The week before that, we had 79 people here. And here's why that is awesome, and here's why we should celebrate that. About a year, a little over a year ago when I started coming, way before I was the youth director or anything like that, this is not on me, we were running about 40 here on Wednesdays. And so in the past year, um, we are growing and growing. And what that means is you guys are inviting your friends to church, you're telling your friends about Jesus, and you are living out the Great Commission. And I think that's really, really awesome. And the person we're going to have on stage tonight is someone who is, their testimony is someone invited them to church, someone invited them to youth group, and that's how they met Jesus. Um, our series, if this is your first week here in a minute and you weren't here last week, we don't always have the chairs, and it's not always me sitting here. Uh, we're kind of doing a Q&A style thing with some people uh, in Miles City or who are connected to Miles City. We've got a guy coming from a different church uh, the next couple weeks. Uh, but tonight, uh, our guest is someone that you guys see here every week. Uh, it's my wife, Dusty Duncan. Let's make her feel welcome. And also, uh, tomorrow, my wife and I will be celebrating our 21st wedding anniversary. We are so old. <laughs> yeah, we're celebrating waking up at 5 a.m. and she's driving me to Barry Martin's house and I'm taking the train to Chicago with him for a staff retreat. So I will not see my wife on my wedding anniversary. So, uh, yeah, it is what it is. So uh, I'll let her do a lot of the talking, but our stories are connected, obviously. Uh, but I'm excited for her to share your, her story with you guys. Uh, some of you might know it already. Um, but we grew up in very different backgrounds. I grew up in a church family, a very Christian home. And I don't know how much she's going to share tonight, but she did not. Um, and so what we have is we kind of have some different questions on the screen that we're going to Ask her. There's no translators this week. By the way, how awesome was Oscar and Ruby last week? Incredible. If you weren't here, um, you can find all of our messages. We have a YouTube channel. I think it's Drive Mile City Students. Our, our full messages are on YouTube. And uh, if you have an Apple phone, I think it's on like the podcast app or something like that. Obviously, I don't listen to it myself, but I teach a lot of them, so I don't like to listen to myself. But Dust, how you doing? I'm good. How are I you? Her, I call her Dust sometimes. I'm doing good. How you doing? How you doing? Great. All right. That's a friend's reference. All right. All right. Let's get going with the questions before I get myself into some trouble. Dusty, uh, we start with the same question we asked Oscar last week. When did you become a Christian? Tell us how you came to know Christ. Okay. So I did not, as Jordan had said, grew up in a um, household that went to church. Um, I think my mom believed in God. She was known as, um, she grew up Catholic, but only because probably her great-grandparents did. Um, but she did not go to church. She did not take me to church. Um, my dad never spoke of God at all. I don't ever remember him talking about God ever in my life. Um, 
so, yeah, so I grew up as a street kid, is what we're, we're called, street kids. Anyways, and um, I had a friend, she was my best friend in school, and she went to a church, and she invited me to go to church with her. And every time she asked me, I told her, no, I was not going to go to church. It, I would just laugh, like, no, that's not going to happen. Um, so anyways, um, the way that she got me to go was by inviting me to go to a canoeing trip. She didn't tell me it was with the church until it was too late. <laughs> so um, I went on a canoeing trip, and that's where I met Jordan for the very first time. Love instantly. No. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, so I started, I went to the canoe trip, and I thought, wow, these kids aren't crazy weirdos. Um, and so, listen, when you're a street kid and all you know about church, um, let me give you an example. The only thing that I ever knew about church, my mom took me once when I was probably, I don't know, seven or eight years old. And um, is this, are you going to ask me about my testimony? Is that what you want me to do now or right now? Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, growing up, so my mom, just so you guys know, is or was well, I think you always are an alcoholic. I think that you can be um, redeemed from that, but you have to be careful. Um, but anyways, growing up, she was a very heavy drinker. She also did very heavy drugs. And so most of the time when I saw my mom, it was um, for maybe minutes in a daytime when she wasn't at the bar. And... Um, yeah, just not the greatest, not the greatest thing with my mom. So, um, or I would see her, she was in so many rehabs after she went to prison so many times that um, I would go and it would be like, they put on like a teddy bear picnic for the kids of the rehabbers. That's, that was pretty much my relationship with my mom. Um, and so... One time I remember her taking me to church with her, and it was a midnight mass at the local Catholic church. Now, my mom lived in a state of drunkenness, and she was drunk that night. How we got there, because it was just her and I, is scary to even think. I don't remember driving with her, especially since she had a suspended license. Um, but anyways, and... It was midnight, and she was completely plastered. And here I am, this little girl, my only time ever being to church. And um, she was singing Silent Night on the top of her lungs, and she couldn't sing when she was sober. <laughs> so um, it was very embarrassing, and people just... I, it felt like everybody was looking at us, and I was very embarrassed, and I swore that day I would never go back to a church. So anyways, fast forward um, till I was 14 years old, and my friend asked me to go to this canoe trip, and I went, and the, the kids were really fun. They were friendly. I didn't feel like the oddball out or anything like that because everybody talked to me and um, had fun except for when she drove my canoe into a spider tree and spiders fell all over us. It was awful. <laughs> um, and luckily I came back. <laughs> um, but anyways, and so because I got to know the kids in the youth group before I ever stepped 
in the doors of a church. When she asked me the next time to go to church with her, I agreed. And from then on, um, I started going to church. But I didn't become a Christian until I was 16. Uh, On September 7th of 1997, I know that dates me so old, but... um, I decided, I had heard everything. I had gotten baptized numerous times. I had gotten saved numerous times because I thought that that's what I was supposed to do because that's what everybody else was doing and they were getting celebrated and I wanted to be celebrated so I'd just do it because, you know, I mean, whatever. And But not until I was 16 did I truly understand it and want that relationship for myself and made that commitment. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, tell everybody where you were when you decided to make that uh, prayer. <laughs> well, I was, it, we called it big church. So, cause it was a Sunday night and I was sitting there and I was just super convicted and I just started bawling my eyes out and I couldn't, it was like uncontrollable and I didn't want everybody staring at me. Apparently I have a complex, but so I went running out and I went into the girl's bathroom and one of my leaders who was a male chased me and I went in the girl's bathroom and so did he. And I went in a stall and he crawled under the stall. (laughs) He knew I wasn't going in there to go use the bathroom. And so at the time, Jordan's dad was our youth pastor, and he and his wife, so Jordan's mom, ran, like, came out to see, like, what the commotion was, because it wasn't, you know. Anyways, and found, his name was Terry, in the bathroom with me, and he explained, and he got totally chewed out. <laughs> but then, um, at this old Southern Baptist church, We went out. There was a back porch step. It makes me think that, like, Isaac, you could write a song about it, I swear. Oh, on the back step of this old church. And his dad, um, who was our youth pastor at the time, led me to the Lord. And um, I just told him, though, I'm like, I already know it all because his dad had been preaching about it for forever. And I was just like, I just need to say the prayer. And so that's what we did. Fun little uh, story about Small Worlds Connecting is Terry, the male counselor who Guys, leaders, please do not chase our ladies, ladies into the bathroom. We have female counselors. Uh, but he was in a band called Hungry for More, and I found out last year that another guy in that band was a guy named Travis Whitaker. So, uh, yeah, Travis might have been there that night. I don't know. Thirsty but for more. Thirsty for more. They stunk. They stunk. They were no good. Anyways, um, so you got saved at 16, um, but you did not wait into adulthood to dive into ministry. So the next question is, you know, how have you answered God's call in your life? Talk about like ministry and the follow-up question is, was there a specific moment of clarity or was it a lot of little things along the way? Tell us how you got into ministry. Okay. So, um, one of the things I believe in my life that God has called me to do many things, but one of the greatest things he's ever called me to do is youth ministry. And, The reason why is because I told you a little bit about my story, my mom, um, about my mom, but there's some, there's a lot of other things, but pretty much anything a teenager went through now or then, I pretty much lived that. I've, I've seen the world of drugs and alcohol. I, um, have been in the abuse, um, world. I've been in the neglect world, um, just a lot, a lot of heavy stuff in my life growing up. Um, I have been suicidal before. I've lived and walked that. I've walked depression and anxiety with family members. 
my mom being one of them who tried to commit suicide and I was at her bedside when she woke up from it and said, am I dead? That's the kind of stuff that I lived with. And it was not anything. It like got to the point where it was almost like desensitized me. So it like nothing ever shocked me anymore. And because I walked such a hard road and a tough life um, between, so my mom and my dad divorced. So I walked that road too. My mom divorced my dad because she came out that she was gay and told me um, that I was 10 years old. So I had to learn how to deal with all of that, that my mom was leaving my dad for another woman. Um, so there was adultery in our family too. So I had to go through um, years of bouncing back and forth between my mom's house and my dad's house. My mom was um, a substance abuser, and so her house wasn't always good. But at my dad's house, I was abused um, on that side. So it was whoever's house was safest to live in at the time, that's who I lived with. So I bounced back and forth between high schools. Um, one year I would have a bunch of friends, but then I'd have to leave and go to another high school, and then I'd have nobody. So I walked the loner life too. Um, so I knew when I started going to youth group and started hearing and learning about God and growing my relationship with them. When I was 17 years old, I wasn't even graduated from high school yet, I became a youth pastor. And that's kind of crazy, right? How many of you guys are 17 in here? Is there anybody who's 17, close to 17? Okay, that would be like you becoming a youth pastor right now. Um, but all I knew was that I had seen how much Jesus had saved me, literally. I mean, saved me from my sin, but also saved my life. Um, I had seen that, and I knew that I never wanted anybody to walk in those shoes alone. And still to this day, my house, and Jordan knows, my phone is pretty much on 24-7. If anybody called me at 3 in the morning, I would pick up, and I would pray with you all night, or I would drive to where you are at. I don't want anybody to ever go through anything alone. And so that's why I decided um, that I felt that God was putting that strong desire um, on my heart, and I just stepped out in faith and, and did it. <laughs> awesome. Um, by the way, if you text me at 3 a.m., it will not wake me up, so please text Dusty. I, do. I would love to talk to you, but I, it will not wake me up. Um, so you, d you dove in super young, um, and... Different, diff different ministries, which we don't have time to go into all the different aspects we've been through together. Um, but okay, let's say we've got a student here tonight who's like, okay, well, I want to do what God wants me to do in life. How do you know when God has called you to something? Like, how did you know? Like, you've kind of shared that a little bit, like, because of what you went through. But like, what made it clear to you, like, this is what I need to do? So for me, it was a strong desire. So... Um, it was something that I couldn't stop thinking about, and then I would pray about it, and then God would just show me fingerprints along the way, and I knew that it was God directing me. So it really mostly came across as a very strong desire. Uh, next question would be, um, obviously, I've done ministry with you, so I know a lot of your story, but it's not all ups and ups and ups. We've had some downs. So what are some of the obstacles that... We face, you can share some of my stuff too, I don't care. Um, what are some of the obstacles you face and how do you overcome those things to not let it derail you in where God wants you? So one of the biggest obstacles was my youth, was my age, because a lot of people wouldn't um, trust their kids 
with a kid. And so that was, well, that was an obstacle for me along the way. But we've, we've done youth ministry well into, gosh, our 30s. Um, we did youth ministry. And so you have a lot of um, criticism, a lot of judgment. Um, you get a lot of parents who have opinions that they just won't think that it should be done their way and not your way or God's way. Um, so that's hard. But ultimately, when you face any obstacle in your life, no matter if it's with your calling or just with your life, is to always run the problem through the lens of Scripture. And so make sure you're really listening to God. It might mean that you have to shut down social media. It might just shut your phone off, shut your TV off. Whatever is distracting you and dig into the word of God. Listen to praise and worship songs because a lot of worship music is scripture. Um, And even calling a good trusted advisor. So somebody who you know is going to take you to the foot of the cross and not just their own opinions. You know, something interesting about us, too, is we talk about we've done ministry, youth ministry together for so many years, but we were called vocational uh, ministers, meaning we never got paid for it up until I was hired by Miles City in February. This is the first time I've ever been paid to do student ministry, like, in my life. Um, so I, I think what's interesting to have her up here is she's doing it, and she's not paid. All of your student leaders are not paid, so, you know... God might be leading you to something that doesn't necessarily be a ministry career working for a church, but you can still work with the church. Um, We talked about some obstacles, but what are some, um, along the way, who are some of the people that have influenced you the most? Who uh, has kind of helped shape you? So my biggest um, cheerleaders, my biggest supporters... um, and, and I'm going to try not to get emotional when I talk about it because, you know, those people who really touch you, you know, can, you know, stir up some emotions, but was Jordan's dad and mom. And so when I didn't have a place to go, their house was always open. I could go there anytime I needed to. Um, his dad told me that I'm his adopted daughter, and this was before we were ever married. Um, he took me under his wing and loved on me like I was one of his own children, even before we even dated. And um, they just emulated Jesus to me so much in my life. And then when we got married, of course, then, um, you know, it was an even closer bond. But they really lived and this is, so, this is such a blessing for him. And any of you guys who have good, godly parents in your home, they really lived a life that exemplified Jesus. Like, it was awesome. They were great. They were. They were pretty good. They were. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, not just people, but, you know, sometimes people let you down. And I'm sure even my parents upset you there's times where you know they weren't there for you when maybe you needed them just like anyone is but one person that is never absent is God and we find a lot of our inspiration from him through scripture so what are some scriptures that uh, have helped you Um, maybe like favorite passages or life's verses things like that yeah so I'm gonna grab the iPad that I forgot (laughs) that's fine oh oops because I am horrible I don't know about you guys I'm really good at quoting scripture I'm not good at knowing the passage reference. So, but I do know one, and it was um, Oscar and Ruby actually. Ruby actually brought it up last week. But it's really good when you're, especially when you're trying to find out what God's calling is for your life. But it is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and it's 
I know the plans that I have for you, plans to, okay. Sorry, give me one need minute. need my password. I'll say Jordan's it right in front of everyone. Password. It's not easy. So, all right. So, anyways, it's for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And so when you're going through something, especially when you think, like, is this my calling? Is this not my calling? It's good to reflect on that, that God has a plan for your life, and it's good. Um, so to always go back um, Go back to that. And then another one that has been, um, it's basically my life verse now because of all of the turmoil in my life. Um, so whether things are going good or whether things are going bad, it's Psalm 4610. And it says, he says, be still and know that I am God. And so anytime that I go through anything that I'm terrified of, or have high anxiety over, um, or like, God, why, why are you putting, I'm doing what you want me to do, but why is this happening? Um, I'm reminded, and I remind myself that I just need to be still, trust that God is bigger than I am, and that he's got this. All right, um, so with Oscar and Ruby uh, at the end, I kind of left the stage and let them share that. We're going to do that with everyone, and I'd just like to say, though, I mean, I'm excited for this whole series. we got three more people coming. You're my favorite one that's going to be up here on stage. Um, I love you. I just think you're just the best wife, best mom, best student leader. Um, and you know that. So. But um, I'm going to leave the stage, and uh, I'm going to let you share some closing thoughts. Sure. All right. Thank you. That was a very sweet show off. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> um, there is another piece of scripture that I want to share with you guys, and um, I want you guys to really take it to heart, okay? Listen really closely to the words of this verse. And I'm sure you have heard this verse time and time again, but I just want you to really listen to the words and really let it sink in. But it's 1 Timothy 4.12. It says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And let me tell you, you guys are probably living the most difficult years you ever will live in, is right now. That doesn't mean that you're not going to face trials and tribulations when you get older. Trust me, I've lived my fair share of them. But when you're a teenager, everything seems to be super overwhelming. And sometimes you, a lot of people think down on you because you're young. But if you ask me... This is the best years of your life because you will have the most influence to change the world. So remember that when you're living a life, when you're, so I want you guys to think about a calling. That's what this whole thing is, answer the call. How do you know God's calling you? Well, there's different ways on how you can know that he's calling you. But there's one, um, there's the Great Commission that tells us that we are to go and make disciples. So we are supposed to share the gospel with everybody who we meet. Now, some of us have been gifted with teaching, and you might be a pastor one day. That's not me. <laughs> I actually don't like to get up and talk um, in a microphone. Um, it, you might have a wonderful voice, and you might get up and sing, and that's how you share the gospel. But you can also share the gospel in other ways. So your calling is going to be something that you find great joy and great passion in doing. And you guys, teenagers, are the most passionate people on the face of the earth. 
if you ask me, in my opinion. I'm kind of biased because I love youth. <laughs> Um, but anyways, I want you guys to just really use that fire, use that passion for good, and use it in your speech. So when you're in school or when you're at work, what are the things that are coming out of your mouth? Is it to point people to the gospel or to the world? Okay? In conduct, what are you doing? How are you living your life? What choices are you making? Are they pointing people to the gospel or are they pointing people to the world? How about in love, in faith, and in purity? Are you faithful? Are you loving others? Are you keeping yourself pure? Are you being careful about what you're seeing and watching or hearing or saying and speaking? Um, is what you're doing pointing to the gospel or pointing to the world? Um, so I just charge you guys with that. Um, I think that you really know your calling is when you can do those things with something that you're passionate about. Might be sports, it might be singing, it might be preaching, it might be uh, serving those who are underprivileged. There are so many things, but when you get that spark of joy and you really enjoy it and you can point people to the gospel, that is your calling. And follow it, follow it hard, and keep praying about it, and just keep listening to God. And I want to give you guys one more thing. Um, I'm going to read you one more verse. Actually, Sarah, if you guys were here on um, two Sundays ago, she gave this verse, and I was like, I really want to share this verse with you, with you guys. But it's 1 Corinthians 1. Verse 26 through 29, it says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring nothing to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. You guys, God used Moses, and he had a stutter. He used David, and he was an adulterer and a murderer. He used Peter, even though he denied Christ three times. And he used Saul, also known as Paul, who was well known of persecuting and murdering Christians. So when I said that, are you... Um, are you doing good with your speech, your conduct. You might not be. You might be looking, well, I don't do that, so I'm not worthy of a calling. That couldn't be any farther from the truth. God will use you no matter where you're at as long as you're willing to listen. So let's pray. Father God, we just love you so much, and we just thank you for uh, showing up when we need you to show up. Lord, I pray that you speak to everybody in here, Lord, and just show them what they're joyfully compassionate and driven by, Lord, and, and show them how they can take that and use it to point people to the gospel. Father God, I pray that if somebody in here doesn't know you as Savior and is like, who is Jesus and what, what does any of this mean? Father God, I pray that they reach out to their city group leader tonight and ask those hard questions. But God, I just pray that you just set our youth group on fire for you and help us walk out boldly in your, in your gospel and your faith and in your name. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.